Victoria. Hi, Faith. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. <laughs> How have you been since your last foray on the Frontier podcast? I've been well, been busy. Highs and lows. What's Highs been your lows. high? <laughs> Gosh, my high just... We hit the holiday season, so I was able to slow down a little bit, start planning better for the next year. And I don't know if there's necessarily lows involved in that. All highs. That's friggin' awesome. No lows. No lows, all highs. My low was driving all the way home to upstate New York, where I'm from, for Christmas. And there being plenty of snow to ski on, but it was freezing, like below zero. That's fair. Yeah, we did not. fly down mountains on skis unfortunately i think even my low would be considered a high i went back to nebraska and didn't think it was that cold (laughs) (laughs) it's like i haven't lost it yet you haven't gotten soft during your time in the south i certainly have i'm a big wimp it's like it was like 60 degrees this morning when i took the dog for a walk i'm back in nashville obviously now and I had my like knee length coat on. I had big old socks. I wore my mittens. I was like, this is pathetic. Stay warm out there. Oh my God. My rule used to be like as long as it was above 32 degrees, so like above freezing, I didn't have to wear a coat when I went to the bar. Yeah. 20 year last rule. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good holiday season. How's it been like jumping back into? work and what you do and talking to people all day just right back in the swing of things luckily okay. i think everything just stays busy especially yeah. the beginning of the year onboarding sessions of stayed full keep going and have you noticed any seasonality with developers signing up to the platform like do there tend to be more in the new year or is it like pretty consistent i think it's it remains pretty consistent i would say that there's some over peaks and some sort of lower signups during the holiday season. But I also think there's a lot of variables that play into that. So mm. Holidays tend to see a little bit of a drop. But as soon as those holidays end, you see an uptick in terms of people signing up for onboarding or signing up to the platform. And I think that's also just the nature of a new year, looking for your next role. Yeah. And that's what we've seen, I think, just historically in the almost three years that I've been a part of the, of the team. Three years, baby. No. Oh my goodness. It's so funny because I measure your like involvement at the company, obviously the same as COVID because you came on like two weeks before COVID. Yeah. It was like right before we switched to working remotely. Yeah. It's like my, one of my friends had a baby in 2000. And so I always know how old she is because I'm like, you're born in 2000. Oh my God. She's going to be 23 this year. That's insane. Okay, so three-year anniversary of you at Gun.io, three-year anniversary of COVID. (laughs) Crazy times. Both just (laughs) coinciding. Oh, my God. Okay, Victoria, we are talking about developer advocacy today, which is kind of a hot topic. People like developer advocate is an entire job title. It's an entire department at a lot of companies. And everybody kind of defines it differently. Like some folks call themselves dev advocates and really they are salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we're talking about something a little bit different. So when I say like here at Gun.io, we really 
value advocating for developers? What does that mean to you? Like, how would you, how would you define that to somebody? If I had to define being a developer advocate, it's being a guide on the side, kind of working with developers, helping them have a better understanding of the work that they've done, how they can tailor that information and present it well, while us still being able to be a spokesperson when we do interact with clients during any sort of our process, but making sure that the developer has full control of the information that's being presented that we can help contribute to. Um, it's making sure that they have sort of autonomy and being able to present themselves well. Mm. That's interesting. I always think of it as like, if you have an advocate when you're job seeking, like our developers do, you don't have to be a bunch of things that you're not. Like you don't you have to figure out how to be a marketer. You don't have to figure out how to be a salesperson. You know, you don't have to like figure out SEO for your personal site so that people can find you and you can get hired. Like you have an advocate kind of coaching you through those things. And in a lot of cases, making sure that those things are done on your behalf. And I think the coaching aspect from my perspective is more geared towards the information set up within your gun.io profile. Everything else that you're speaking at about in terms of advocacy is something that we do and that I definitely tie into what it means to be an advocate on that client side. Mm. But I think being an, a developer advocate for just an individual developer is making sure that there is a level of growth involved that we can help tailor. I feel like our approach to developer advocacy has changed a lot over the years and you've really been the person kind of guiding that roadmap. And so you've got the best idea of kind of where it's been, where we're going. Do you want to kind of paint that picture for us? Something that's always been consistent is we've always been a talent first platform. So we have always been able to interact directly with the developers that have joined, whether that's pre-web app or during our web app days, making sure that we always have meaningful interactions and have a good understanding of how we can best help those developers land the next gig that they want to be a part of. And I think that's something that's really important. Um, as that has evolved over time, there's more touch points in a way where we're able to initially have a conversation with, with you when you join the platform. Um, and so you have a good understanding of how we work. And then as we get to know you on a more individual level, just throughout your time on the platform, that's always going to be something that helps ties into how we can advocate for you in the future which I think is always really helpful. There's always a human interaction that is available at any point during your job hunt um, and beyond, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And something huge that you implemented this past year has been the onboarding sessions. So all incoming developers who sign up for the platform um, and are uh, kind of past the initial screening are invited to attend an onboarding session where they meet you and sometimes other members of the DevRel team. What benefits have you seen come from that um, in terms of like what, what developers kind of experience? We've seen a lot of benefits come from that. I think the nice added addition with onboarding sessions is they were introduced as a way to provide more guidance to developers as they join the platform. I think as much as we want to be hands-on with every single person as they join in, sometimes that influx was more than sort of the capacity allowed on our side. So having these onboarding sessions was a way to sort of 
start grouping people in small groups, have these sessions where we can introduce how we work, what we're looking for as far as updates to your profile as you get started. If you do have any questions, we're able to answer those sort of directly um, and candidly. And as more questions can develop from that, roll off of that, we're able to have really engaging conversations. But it also lets us um, have a good understanding just initially of what developers are looking for out of the platform. And so we're able to give more guidance, give more direction, but also make adjustments on our side too, as we continue to have those conversations. Yeah, it's not like, hey, welcome to this piece of software. We're going to send you like the little like interstitial pop up that teaches you how to use this. We're actually going to walk you through human to human. Yeah. And then you can slack me, you know, as you're doing it on your own. And you know, we can do it together as well. And I think just overall from those onboarding calls, we have seen profile quality improve. It's like the level of detail and work history entries, overall profile completeness, which ultimately lead to having those better conversations, which let us help you more, um, has been the biggest benefit. Yeah. And I think one of the results of kind of being obsessed with the developer experience and having these like human relationships with folks is that we end up knowing our developer community really well. And not just like, oh, this person has like badass experience with machine learning. So whatever ML opportunities come in, we should present them. But it's also like, there's there's this nuance that's really only discernible by a human that's like, no, this there's something really specific about the way this person works or the team culture that this person thrives in. And we can see those like, matching opportunities between clients and developers. So like, that's a huge benefit to clients, right? Because when when your team presents a candidate, it's not just about their resume. It's also, we're taking a bet, we really think that this person is going to be a good fit culturally for your team. How do you guys do that? Like, how does the DevRel team choose candidates that are a good fit on all of these kind of indexes, not just resume? I think that's, the most important part of being talent first and being very sort of human driven is anyone can come on and create a profile, give us that information. But by having extended conversations around your work experience in machine learning and knowing more about the things that you've worked on specifically and what you enjoyed working on in that project and with the team size really does give us that nuanced information that becomes really helpful as we have conversations with clients as well, have a good understanding of what that work environment looks like. People sort of stay top of mind and we're able to continue to advocate for those developers because we have those personal connections from onboarding through approval calls and throughout any application process, making sure that we have the ability to have conversations and fill in sort of those gaps that you don't necessarily get just from filling in a profile. We're having real conversations around real interests and making sure that those align. Mm. That leads to just more quality engagements for both sides. We want to make sure that there's that right match for you as a developer based on what you enjoy working on, not just what you have worked on. That makes sense. And it's hard to do that. I haven't seen anyone do a good job of doing that like through software, right? Yeah. Like we, it's a, it's a good start. Like we have our work style assessment and, that gives us a good kind of map for kind of where to focus with folks. But I think those human relationships are key. 
We do get a lot of praise for the work style assessment. As I do onboarding sessions, I highlight the work style assessment as a tool that's really beneficial from a client perspective to understand how a developer would best fit into an existing team or the type of environment that they do well in. And 99.9% of the time, developers will be like, my results spot are spot on. on. <laughs> There's like, I feel that way about all kind of like personality tests too, except for my astrology chart, which is probably another episode. I need someone <laughs> to come and come and explain that to me. But the match is important. And that's what a lot of folks know us for. But a benefit that folks experience once they're working with us is like we stick around and it's not just to support clients. Talent also has access to their advocates for however long they're engaged with Gun.io clients. How does your team specifically support developers when they're on contracts with clients? When a developer is brought on to an engagement, the developer relations team one is just always available. That's going to be pre-engagement, during engagement, post-engagement, anything you need. There's always going to be someone you can reach out to. But during an engagement specifically, we have the developer relations team, our operations team, um, anyone you might have a question for, all involved in your own internal Slack channel, which allows for you to have that very open communication around how your project is going. If you do have any questions around um, client communication or updates on your contract overall, if you have questions around billing and how that works, there's always going to be someone that's available to answer those questions. We also like to provide the opportunity to give help in any way we can. So if you ever have any issues that you run into on a project, our developer relations team is also very technical and are happy to sort of help dive into potentially some of those issues and see where we can provide a little bit of clarity, guidance. We're just happy to sort of answer questions around anything that you might have on an engagement, especially for people new to freelancing and not necessarily sure how it works all the way. Um, we're able to um, step in and give a little bit more clarity and guidance around this is how we would operate in this situation, um, which I think is really beneficial, especially for people new to freelancing, allowing them to focus just on the communication with the client and that scope of work that's laid out for them. And then being able to answer any sort of side questions from our team, how we handle everything else is yeah. top notch for an engagement. <laughs> it is. And I think what's cool is like, you know, obviously developers have us and the DevRel team and their, their specific advocates, but they also have access to a community of other folks like them. And so we see a lot of questions surface around like freelancing best practices, like tax questions, developing an LLC. Like it's, it's cool to have that hive mind available. And then in the more technical scenarios, like let's say we've got a dev on an engagement and they run into something that they've never seen before. Stack overflow is void of any answers. And maybe even like our technical team doesn't know which way's up. We can really easily kind of like run through our community based on what we know about folks and be like, oh, this would be a really good person to like bring in as a mentor on this. Yeah. Or just like set up like a coffee date and like walk through this problem. So I think that's another benefit of just like having having a DevRel team that's really in tune with the community is being able to make those those connections when we need to. Absolutely. Final question for you, Victoria. And I think this is relevant for folks that are in industries or on teams where the developer experience is really important. 
and they're thinking about how to how to create a better one, whether it's for developers who might be their customers or developers who are like on their team and their communities. What's maybe a mistake to avoid? And maybe like your best piece of advice for those folks as it relates to creating a great experience for developers? I think a mistake to avoid is going to be not communicating. Mm. So even if you don't necessarily have an answer right then and there, or you're not sure what the answer is, still communicate that. Knowing that a communication structure can be open, um, even if you don't have the answer right away, being like, hey, I don't have an answer for you right now, but I can go find it. Or just being responsive in general. I think everyone deserves some sort of response as you're um, going through a working process. Um, some acknowledgement that a question has been answered or is being presented, an issue is being presented, making sure that there's still always going to be some form of communication um, that's responsive and timely. Um, it's, it's just showing respect for other people's time and um, what they're looking for as far as working together and having a communicative and responsive environment um, is the most, I think, beneficial to the way that we work. And that can definitely be applied to other areas. Yeah. I think I see that a lot, which is, I think this is the trend. Whenever I'm wondering like how to best work with or for developers, I just think about the standards that developers hold themselves to and how developers work because they're going to expect that of everybody else, whether you're a DevRel advocate, whether you're a marketer, whether you're a salesperson. And one of those things is like speed and responsiveness, right? Like developers are tasked with responding to things very quickly, especially when things break. And if they don't do that, they're not going to have a job, right? And so like they, they expect that from everybody else too. Um, so that's a really, that's a good piece of advice, you know, just like speed of communication and communication in general, even if you don't know, make sure that you respond quickly. Yeah. I think even in an asynchronous environment, which is what we see a lot, um, from a developer perspective, especially on engagements or, um, as we are helping clients find the right talent, making, I mean, having an understanding that, you know, there's time zones that are not necessarily overlapping, but communication within a timely manner, given those uh, expectations. But um, that's always going to be key in making sure that everything runs smoothly is at mm. least there's some acknowledgement um, of, of communication happening um, and that it is timely. Yeah. Awesome. Good advice. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Well, Victoria, this has been awesome. I hope it's helpful for folks who are, you know, working in developer facing roles or developers or clients who are interested in joining the platform. They know how to reach you. Victoria is always on Slack. If you're in the Cantina Slack, just shoot her a message. She is an absolute delight to chat with. Her calendar is very full, but she is a delight <laughs> if you can squeeze in there. <laughs> always happy to chat. Yeah. All right. Well, Victoria, I'll see you next time we uh, convince you to come on the podcast. Anytime. Thank you, Faith. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod. 
and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.